Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Well, we are at the first Sunday of 2021, and the title of today's sermon is Plans in Providence, and we're going to be looking into the book of wisdom, looking into the book of Proverbs. There's three different verses that we're going to look at this morning. As we make plans, but it's all in light of God's providence. What is providence? The definition of providence, the guiding and providing hand of God. We have seen him, we've experienced his guidance in our lives and his provision. And the Lord has graciously blessed us with a new year, new opportunities. This message is for people of all ages, all right? So I don't want older people thinking, well, this is for younger people and I hope they hear this. And I don't want younger people saying, well, one day, someday, I hope all the adults and everybody's listening. This is for every person, no matter how old or how young you are. And someone reminded me today I had a birthday and I'm a little older and that's what happens, right? As we enter into 2021, what is it that God would have us accomplish? We had no idea a year ago what 2020 would hold and did hold. And we don't know what's coming in 2021, but what I want us to do as individuals, what I want us to do by God's grace as a church is stay on mission, is to think big of what would God do in this year in and through me, in and through us together as we seek first the kingdom of God and we seek his wisdom. And so by God's grace, we will leverage every opportunity that comes in this year to make a difference for the glory of God. Now, the reality is, is that anything that is worthwhile involves risk. There's always risk. If you're going to invest, then you're risking to gain a reward. There's not a reward coming without risking something. Risking, if we are in relationships, there's risk involved. Anything we do, there's risk. But if we're going to accomplish anything worthwhile, then risk is involved. So by God's grace, we'll step out in faith this year and see God once again do what Ephesians 3.20 says, more than we can expect. We take these steps forward by faith. So here's the big idea. Here's the question. How can we glorify God faithfully and more intentionally in this coming year, in 2021? And then I really want to broaden that because it's not just a New Year's sermon. This is really for every season in life. How can we glorify God intentionally and faithfully in every season in life? And really, There's two sides to this coin, all right? There are really two rails on this track that we are going down in life. And one is human responsibility and the other is God's sovereignty. Both of those are parallel truths. One doesn't cancel the other. They're both required. You and I have a responsibility and God is sovereign over all all things. And we're going to see this unfold in the sermon today. So you're going to see there's two little boxes on the worship guide there for you to fill in at the top of this. And here's what it comes down to. We need to embrace human responsibility 
and rest in God's sovereignty. Embrace human responsibility. That's embrace what God has for you to do this year. I need to embrace what does God have for me to do this year. And then we can rest in God's sovereignty. My prayer is, is that every person, whether here or joining online or listening to this sermon later, whether it be through the podcast or on YouTube or through our webpage, that you really evaluate my embracing my responsibility before the Lord Am I resting in God's sovereignty? How will we glorify God faithfully and more intentionally in this coming year and in every season of life? The first verse we're going to look at is in Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, the first verse says this, The plans of the heart belong to a man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The plans of the heart belong to a man. They're his plans. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Let's unpack this this morning. First of all, we understand in human responsibility, under Proverbs 16, that first verse, we we need to develop our plans, all right? We develop the plans of our heart. This is our human responsibility. And the writer here of Proverbs is saying that the plans of our heart, my heart, they're my plans. Now, Have you ever known someone that had little to no drive? Maybe you worked with them or you worked and they watched you work. They had no drive. You felt like you were always carrying the load. You always have to tell them, hey, could you help me with this? Hey, could you get involved in this? Could you put your phone down? Hey, where'd you go? You disappeared for another coffee break. You disappeared again for another fast food run. We're never going to get this done. There are people like that. Maybe you've never met them for sure. Nobody listening today is this person that they're always hoping somebody else does things so that they don't have to do anything. That's not a good way to live. That's poor character. It's frustrating. Another frustration is when plans just are bad plans. It's really hard to work it out because it's just a bad plan to begin with. I know around my house, my family will tell me often that like my ideas for interior design or sometimes even exterior design, like, no, not a good plan. There's a better option. I'm usually outvoted, so we, we go with that option, and they're usually right, all right? Even helping with graphics for messages or graphics that just get communicate to, to you know, the congregation, what we're doing, how do we make that look the best? Beloved, it's right for us to have desires and goals and plans, to to love to create, to love to design. Perhaps that's why kids' games are effective. They're, they're, They're huge hits when kids can just go in and build and build and design and build and create and then join with other people and build in communities online, whatever it may be. There's something in us that loves to create, loves to take something and improve it, loves to take something and make it better. I mean, we didn't, we didn't come to church today on a horse in a buggy. Somebody was telling me, uh, uh, Dini was telling me that there's a picture in the archives of a stairway outside of this uh, building a hundred years ago. There's just steps. And she was talking to somebody and somebody knew and they asked her, do you know what those steps are for in that picture? She's like, No. 
That that was for people when they came to church, they could get out of their carriage, step down the steps, and then come into the church. Well, we don't need those steps anymore. We don't have those, unless your truck is really jacked up high. Then you might need those steps. But we're not still operating. Somebody thought of it. Hey, we could have an engine, a motor, and we could develop it this way and that way. And we now pretty much ride in comfort, right? Heat when it works, defrost, air conditioning when it's hot. Having good plans is important. Being able to dream and think of what should be as a church, we're part of a building program right now. Our architect is rendered. Here's, an, here's a, a, an idea, a suggestion of what this project will look like in the coming months and in the coming year. We're praying about this. We're thankful for the, all that God did in 2020, seeing our debt paid off, being debt-free as we approach the future and the plans. And, and we have a meeting that we're this Tuesday night. The information is in your worship guide to join in for a Zoom meeting where we'll plan together. We're going to pray together. We have to sit down. We have to look at this. We're going to fast and we're going to pray. Why? Because we have plans, but we hold our plans in an open hand. Many are the plans of a man. That's good. But the Lord is the one that carries out these plans. He's the one who delivers. And so we want to join in and we want to say, okay, this is our suggestion. These are our plans. These are our hopes. But do we have enough to pay for this? What are the different phases in the project? Jesus is the one who taught, Luke 14, 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. So as church leaders, that's what we're looking at. Okay, what's the cost on this? What will it be? What does it take? And all of these things are in planning mode right now, and we pray, God, we have a plan, but you're the one who delivers, and we trust you. God is the one who delivers plans. This is where we see his sovereignty. We develop plans, and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. What's your plan for the new year? But God is the one who delivers plans. All of the ideas that are in our hearts, in our minds, oh, they can be arranged. They can be, I can think it all out. I can prepare a sermon. But I can't guarantee you that I'll be there to deliver the sermon because I'm not God. I have a responsibility, but I'm not sovereign. You know what sovereign is? Sovereignty. No one tells you what to do. You are in charge of everyone and everything. Now, we think about this. We develop plans, but God is the one who delivers plans. This is humbling. This is convicting, but it's also comforting to the believer at the same time because there are times when God says no. Do you like being told no? Not many people like being told no. But it's actually a good thing. Imagine if your parents brought you into the world and always told you yes every time you asked for anything. Every time you had an idea, I could climb that couch. I'll climb the refrigerator and get in the top shelf where the snacks are. Imagine if everything was yes. We wouldn't be alive here. I think I'll drive the car, age five. Okay, no, you can't. So no is a healthy thing. And even in the Garden of Eden, God put a tree and said, no, don't eat of this tree. 
And our parents, Adam and Eve, didn't like that, and they rebelled against God, and they ate of that fruit, and we deal with the consequences, and we have, and we inherit that sin nature, and it has to be dealt with. So we make plans. We, de- we develop plans, but God's the one who delivers plans. And I want you to think about this. It's a good thing when God restrains evil against us. Imagine if your whole life, any enemy, the neighborhood bully on the block, whoever it might be, if they were always allowed to do anything they wanted to do to you and no one ever told them no. Now you're like, hey, hey wait a second. I want somebody telling them no, but I just don't want anybody to tell me no. No is a good thing. When we understand God's sovereignty, Joseph learned this and he expressed this so well. In Genesis chapter 50, after his brothers had been so horrible to him, he could have, he could have been in Egypt for all of those years just marinating in bitterness and anger and I'm going to get you and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, retribution is coming and I'm going to pay you back. But he didn't. He had a human responsibility and he embraced that and he rested in the sovereignty of God so that when his brothers were there and he finally revealed to them, I'm your brother, I'm Joseph. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19, but Joseph said to them, to his brothers, do not fear for am I in the place of God. Now think about that. When we want to say, I, I, I want this and I want that, I don't want anybody to tell me no, everything I want, I want that to be done. We're really trying to be what Joseph is talking about. We're trying to be in the place of God. But we're not God, so we can't hold up under that. Joseph realizes I'm in my place and God is in his place and God is sovereign over all things. And so he says in Genesis 50 verse 20, as for you, my brothers, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Do you hear what Joseph is processing there? You tried to sell me, betray me, kill me, and God restrained you, and he made a way, and even in Potiphar's house, he was lied about, thrown in prison, forgotten, so that that day would come and Joseph was in the exact place that he needed to be under the sovereign, good, and mighty hand of God and many people were spared alive because of God's sovereign hand and Joseph got to enjoy God working in his life. The apostle Paul, he expressed it this way in Romans 8, 28, that God is always working for our good and for his glory when he writes and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you don't love God, if you don't know God, that verse is no help to you yet until you turn from your sin and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're adopted by the love of God into the family of God. And with Jesus as your older brother and your father in heaven, then you can trust that everything, he's working all things according to the counsel of his will for your good and for his glory, no matter what you go through. And 2020 was quite the year. But we don't know what's coming in 2021, but God does. 
Our second verse we're going to look at is Proverbs 16, a little bit further down, verse 9. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps, arranges his steps, directs his steps. So what's our responsibility here? You and I, we need to plan our direction. We need to set our course in life. We need to plan our direction. Which way am I going? What's my trajectory? What is going to be the ultimate outcome and result of our lives? That's an important question. You need to ask that question. We need to ask that question as a church. What will eternity say about this ministry, this church, our lives? As we think about the trajectory of our lives, that's, there's a far more important question that we're dealing with here than many of the mundane decisions we emphasize way too much. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6.25. We'll come to it in our sermon in the coming weeks. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Didn't I mention a few weeks ago that all the commercials were about to happen of, get in shape now. Here's your diet. Here's your meals. Here's all the things. Here's your exercise equipment. Come join this gym. Join that gym. How much time do we spend? I spend a lot of time thinking about what are we going to eat? I don't know what the percentages of my text messages to Ginger are, but that's a really... If the reoccurring messages, that's one way up there. Hey, what are we going to be eating? What's for dinner? What's for lunch? I love to think about what are we going to be eating? What's going on? I'm, I'm hungry. And when we come to fasting and praying, what we're saying is there's something more important than what is really important. I'm glad that you have eaten since the last time I've seen you. I know you've eaten. That's a good thing. But it's not a most important thing. A most important thing is the Word of God. Jesus says, is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Doesn't he understand the value of marketing? How much is invested into what you wear, what you eat, and your body? Just think about those three things. How many commercials drive and thrive on those three areas? And Jesus is saying, there's so much more to life than what you wear, and what you eat, and your body. All of those things are diminishing and passing away, and something is eternal is your soul. So at the beginning of this new year, let's hear what Paul said in Philippians 3.13, and maybe we can follow in his example when he says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do, or if we're going to do anything this year, in 2021, in any season of life, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What can you change about last year? What can I change about last year? Nothing. What can change? where I'm going, what we're going to do, what I'm thinking, my worship, my giving, my serving. And if you ever watch, there's, there's the videos that catch people celebrating too soon. 
And sometimes I know there's one I have in my mind of a guy riding a bike, and he's coming in after a long bike uh, race, and he looks over his shoulder this way, he's pedaling, and he sees nobody. And the finish line is from here to the back of the church. And he lifts his hands off the handlebars, and he puts them in the air, and he's like, yes, and he starts cheering to the crowd. And what happens? He didn't look this way. And somebody comes right beside, they, they cross the tape first. And he goes from, yeah, to, oh, no, I just came in second place. And I didn't have to come in second place, but I was looking behind me instead of in front of me. And that happens repeatedly in sports. Don't celebrate too early. Keep your eye on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the writer of Hebrews tells us. So we plan, plan our direction in life. But understand this. What we see in Proverbs 16 and verse 9 is that the Lord directs every step. God directs every step. This is his sovereignty. We plan our direction, but God directs every single step. He arranges our lives in order according to the counsel of his will. So when you and I submit to God's almighty hand, that's where we can take shelter under his wing in every season and through every storm. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I think every graduation card, maybe I've missed some that I haven't put this in, but since I've been in ministry, all right, 25 years, graduation cards, I sign our name as a family or maybe my name as a pastor Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. That if we get a hold of this verse, trusting in the Lord, not with some of our heart, with all of our heart, he will make our path straight. That doesn't make it easy, but it will go according to he's directing our steps. And ultimately, a million years from now, we'll look back and say, God is good, and what he was doing was for my good and for his glory. When David in Psalm 37, great psalm, David was surrounded by enemies. He's threatened, and he finds comfort in knowing, God, you're sovereign, okay? You're sovereign over me being in this time of testing, and you're sovereign over all my enemies. So there's not one enemy that can come one foot closer to me than you allow them to come. So I will rest in your sovereignty. I can't see everything going on. I don't understand everything going on, but I will look to you, and I will trust in you. And Psalm 37, verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. How, how hard is that to do? When, when things hit us sideways, when we deal with, with trials and suffering, how hard is it to trust in the Lord and do what is right? Do good, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, if we're honest, a lot of times I want that, and he will give you the desires of your heart, but I miss, Brian, delight yourself in the Lord. Start there. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Delight. Enjoy what the Lord enjoys, and then he will give you the desires. of You know, you know how he does that? He actually changes the desires of my heart. He makes a difference in me of, well, do I want that for my own benefit or 
is actually there's something better that is for the glory of God and for the good of others. And I grow and mature in my Christian walk and I begin to enjoy what God loves and I want that more than what I just want on my own. He changes in us. The third verse is Proverbs 19 and verse 21. Proverbs 19 and verse 21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So what is our responsibility here? What is our responsibility to embrace? We need to pursue our dreams. This is what we think about, the mind, the plans in the mind of a man. There are many. I know for some people worshiping at home, it's hard to focus. It's hard to concentrate. When I'm preparing sermons, sometimes it's hard for me to focus and concentrate because I can think of projects that need to be done. I can think of people and what's going on in their lives and situations and an email needs to be sent or maybe they need to be prayed for or maybe a phone call or a text message. And and now with the cell phone, it's just like hard to get away and hard to shut everything down and just get quiet and be still before the Lord. We pursue our dreams. Personally, for this season of my life, I've come to an end. I'm not driving school bus anymore. 15 years almost I drove school bus. And beginning this year, 2021, I just had to evaluate what in the season that we're at in a ministry, in the season that I'm at in my life and my age and my family, prioritizing, God, what is it that should be done? And so I'm not going to be driving a school bus anymore. And that was a hard decision to make because I care about those families. I've been with most of those families almost the entire 15 years, seeing kids grow up from kindergarten to graduate. And I care about those families. I care that they come to know Christ and that they understand the God who made them and they live for his glory. And I care about this ministry and I want to be a better shepherd and under-shepherd and raising up and training up elders and training up disciples and teaching others to preach and to go out and we become a sending church. How, how is that going to happen? I can't make there be more time in the week. So stepping out in faith making decisions to be available for the building prog- progress and the program and the planning and all that is, in, is required in that, the demands there. All right, Lord, you know the dreams that are in our hearts. You know the dreams that we have in our minds and understand that, that God in heaven is, is not the father that only wants his kid to do what I want you to do. And if you don't do what I want you to do and if you don't measure up to my standards, then you're, you're, you're not good or you're embarrassing God is a faithful, perfect father in heaven, and he's the one that gives to us dreams, ideas, plans, vision. What could this year hold? Listen to what the Old Testament preacher says in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 9. He says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. Now, does that sound right? He's saying, pursue your dreams. He's saying, go for it. And a little bit like Columbo. I've talked about Columbo. 
I saw one, uh, he, an episode came on over the Christmas break. We were in Kentucky, and I was watching, and he does that just, it's, it's intriguing and it's aggravating because he's just constantly frustrating the person that he's investigating, and they think they have it all tidy and all covered up, and then Columbo always has that, but, but, but one more thing, and he always asks that one more question. And that's what Solomon does here in Ecclesiastes. He's like, hey, go have a great life and live it up and party and all those dreams and all that. Um, and hang on, one more thing before you get out that door. Well, what's that? But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Well, that filters through what we think, say, and ought to do. We're going to stand before the Lord one day. And the greatest joy that we have is to know Christ and to be known by God and to help others come to know the one that made them, loves them so much that he would die for them so that they would not be separated from God in an eternal place called hell, but they would be with him forever where there's fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord, where there's never-ending joy. The psalmist says, so pursue your dreams. If you're, a, if you're a kid, pursue your dreams. What do you want to be? What would God have you to be? It's good to have many plans, but if we're going to accomplish anything, then we have to focus and we have to prioritize, well, what should be done first? And then let's get on with it. Let's do it. And then we think about well, what are my dreams? What is, you know, my plans? What are my plans? What's my direction in life? And what difference will that be a million years from now in eternity? What kind of impact my decisions have now on eternity? Jesus taught about the rich fool in Luke 12, 20. And listen, nobody in his town, nobody in his family would have said he was a fool. He's the guy who said, look at all the barns I have. Man, this has been a bumper year. I've got crops coming out of crops. I don't know what to do with them all. I know what I'll do. I'm going to tear down all these barns that everybody else would have loved to have, and I'm just going to build more barns that are greater and bigger. That's what I'm going to do because I just have so much excess. Everybody in the community would say, did you see how much he's worth? That's unbelievable. Oh, if I could be like him, if I could have that, if I could have just one of his barns. But God has a different take. In Luke 12 and verse 20, but God said to this man, fool, fool, you planned for everything except the one thing that we're guaranteed will happen is our lives will come to an end. Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All that stuff in the barns that you didn't get a chance to tear down, who's going to, you're not going to eat it. It's not going to be yours. It's going to go to other people. And you didn't think that was possible. You had plans, but you didn't understand. Our days are numbered. James, the half-brother of Jesus, taught us about humility and planning. This this phrase out of James 4, 13 to 17, I can't tell you how many times this just seems so palpable, so real in, in, in last year, in 2020. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Okay. 
Are there people like last year, New Year's, they, New Year's Eve or whatever, they ate, the, they ate the beans, they did the thing, they did all those things, and like, whoa, how'd that work out? Verse 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? Think about this, beloved. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, and that's to be caught away from sight. You still exist. Your soul will still be somewhere. The question is where? And he says this, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him It is sin. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Oh, let that govern our thoughts this coming year because yes, we pursue our dreams, but we can rest in the sovereignty of God knowing that God does his eternal purpose. God does his eternal purpose He just doesn't have dreams. He doesn't have ideas and plans that he can't fulfill. He, it says here in Proverbs 19.21, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's counsel will stand forever, beloved. And this is comforting when you're on God's side. This is a truth that will serve as an anchor for your soul. Isaiah 46 and verse 8, Isaiah says, Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Not a human being, not another false God. No one like our God. Verse 10, well, what's different about uh, Jehovah, about Yahweh? declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose, all of it. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will do it. Only God can say that and do it. And all of the prophecies that foretold of the coming Messiah, and he did it. And Jesus foretold of his death, burial, and resurrection, and it happened. And he rose again. And Jesus said, I will come again. You be on mission, church. And he will come again. And by God's grace, we will be on mission, knowing that God does his eternal purpose. In Psalm 33, verse 10, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He's not just over birds and fish. He's over all nations. The Lord brings the counsel of all the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. Do you understand as this new year unfolds and all of the uncertainty and all of the political mess that is just everywhere. Do you understand the comfort that we can have here, the rest that we can have here, knowing that it's not up to us to solve all the world's problems, not even solve our own nation's problems. It's up to us to rest in the sovereignty of God. We have a human responsibility and we fulfill that 
in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, but God is sovereign. So I don't need to fret. I don't need to toil over what happens on the election on the 5th or on the, you know, anything to come because God is in control. He is sovereign and he is working all things for our good and for his glory. So here's the reality. This is the reality. Sometimes God chooses to delay. Sometimes he says, wait. All right, we pray and we trust him. And sometimes he says, just wait. Not yet. If we're asking God for, whether it be the salvation of loved ones, whether it be for something in our family, something in career, something in the future, sometimes God says, wait, and it has nothing to do with how spiritual you are or how much, you know, contrary to the preachers, a lot of them on TV who are saying you got to give more and your faith and sow the seed of faith. And then God, look, read your Bible. The Bible is filled with stories of those who were faithful like Joseph and it went worse and just continued to get worse. And it wasn't because he was doing something wrong. It was because God was working and he was saying, wait, Joseph, wait, Joseph, wait. Trust me and wait. So sometimes God delays the answer to our prayers. Sometimes God denies the answer to our prayers. And we need not immediately run to, what have I done that the Lord told me no? God is good, and he is sovereign, and sometimes he says no. The loudest no was when the Lamb of God was on the cross, and he cried out to his Father and received no response of rescue. And he laid down his life so that you and I can cry out, and never hear silence. But we can be forgiven and redeemed. And sometimes God may choose to deliver. He may say yes. And in all of these things, we need to trust him because sometimes when the Lord says, yes, I'll give that to you and I'll bless you, then we're challenged in our stewardship. What are we gonna do with our time and our talents and our treasure and how will we make an investment into eternity that will last? So by God's grace, let's make some application here. Understanding our human responsibility and God's sovereignty, we can embrace that human responsibility. We can rest in the sovereignty of God. We develop our plans, God delivers our plan, the plans. We plan our direction, but God directs every step. We pursue our dreams, but God does his eternal purpose. So by God's grace, in this coming year and in every season, we need to make wise plans. That's how we should respond. Make wise plans. Get counsel from godly people when you need counsel. Seek the word of God. Go through prayer. The Holy Spirit's guidance, the word of God, the people of God, all of these are important as we make wise plans because we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. So what is it that God will accomplish in this coming year for the glory of God and the good of all men? What are your plans and I'm going to ask you to take some time and think on this. What are my plans for this coming year? Personally, family, ministry. What will my life contribute for the sake of all eternity, for the glory of Christ? And then secondly, let's set a right course. Set a right course. Set your course. 
for pleasing God and serving others. We're not going to hold back. We're not going to play it safe. We're Christians, and we're on mission. So whether we gather in person or you gather at home, we're still on mission. The challenge is when you're not connected to other people, how are you going to encourage them, give and receive encouragement? How will you receive communion and gather together without coming together? These are the challenges that we're facing. Set the right course as we worship, walk, and work together knowing that Jesus is Lord and he is coming soon. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the course for us. And thirdly, live with an eternal mindset. Live with an eternal mindset. Oh, may God help us to live with eternity in view. This is the perspective that we need to be good stewards with our time, with our talent and treasure. May the Lord help us in this coming day, week, month, year, to redeem the time because the days are evil, the Bible says. It was 65 years ago, this coming Friday, and the picture is going to come up on the screen. This is Jim Elliott's picture. Uh, This account impacted not only my life, but thousands, thousands of people who were surrendered to full-time ministry and and missions and, and ministry around the globe. This is what Jim Elliott wrote in his journal, and it's a little bit hard to see on the screen, but that is his journal written in October. And in the middle of that, that footnote at the bottom, he wrote what's clearly at the top, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me say that again. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott was a guy that embodied what we've been talking about in this sermon. Human responsibility merged with the the sovereignty of God. He heard about a group of people in the jungles of Ecuador, and he began to talk to his friends. And he talked to his friends, and he said, go with me, and let's take the gospel to unreached people. They are untouched in the jungles of Ecuador. And these guys went with them. There were five missionaries and their families that went to Ecuador. They had a yellow uh, Piper plane and they circled over and they dropped down goods and they did it through a bucket and they figured out a way where a rope and a bucket and they could circle the plane around a certain area and people would come out of the jungle and they would take things out of the bucket and they would disappear into the jungle. And after they had sufficiently done that, they landed those five, they said, this is the time and they landed on the beach And they waited for interaction and finally came out of the jungle three individuals, one man, two women. But they didn't know the backstory. They didn't know what happened with these individuals. And so they interacted with them. They took the the one of them, the, the man up, and they flew him in the plane. They came back down, landed on the beach, and they disappeared into the jungle. And they didn't understand that those three individuals had broken away from their tribe. And that man was with somebody else's wife. And so when that man returned, he lied about the five missionaries on the beach, and he said, they took me. It was their fault, and they came out of the jungle, and they speared those five missionaries to death on Palm Beach. They died. January 8th, 1956, this Friday, will be 65 years ago that they spilled their blood on that soil. You can read it in Through the Gates of Splendor, an amazing book, 
written by Elizabeth Elliot, who went back in time. She went back to that jungle and she demonstrated with her family and others the love, grace, mercy, and gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those men that murdered her husband and the other men, they poured their life out in that jungle. And there's a church in that jungle today. Minkai, one of those men, just died in the, in last year. We talked about him in one of the sermons. From their sacrifice, you would think that people would say, if that's what waits for me in mission and in ministry, forget about it. I'll play it safe with my life. The exact opposite happened. Thousands of people said, what am I doing with my life? How am I, am I spending, investing, or wasting my life? And thousands of young people understood there's a, there's a cause and it's worth dying for that people would hear they don't have to die separated from God in their sin, but God has become a man in Jesus Christ and he paid the price that you should have to pay and he died the death that you and I deserve to die and he was buried and he rose again the third day and he defeated the enemy that you and I have no hope against, the enemy of death, the grave and hell, and he defeated it, and he defanged death, and he offers life and salvation to anyone who turns from their sin and trusts in him, whether you live in the United States of America or Romania or Zambia or in the jungles of Ecuador, you are made in the image of God. Your life is valuable so much that Jesus paid your fine with his blood. And thousands of people, and I will tell you this, and I've told you before, and time to time I'll tell you again, that reading that book changed my life. That was one of the books that God used to lead me to surrender to ministry that come hell or high water, people like you, don't like you, people are faithful or unfaithful, people are your friend or they're not your friend. This is a cause worth living and dying for. To stand before a people, no matter how many there may be or few, and say, you will stand before God one day and you need not stand before him unclothed in your sin and shame. Be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. How much does it cost? It's been paid. When Jesus said, it is finished. Paid in full. Have you received this salvation? This message is the greatest news. It's my joy and my privilege, and I want to do a better and more faithful job in preaching this message every Sunday that God gives to me this year and every year in my life. And I'll make plans, and I'll develop sermons, and I'll pray for the people in this congregation and for the people in this community and invite you to do the same, knowing that it's the God who delivers all the plans. He's the one that directs our steps. He's the one that every single time he comes through, he directs. He directs and does his purpose, all of it. So let me ask us this question. When we think about God's sovereignty, how have I been responding to the sovereignty of God? I want you to prayerfully think about this and answer these questions are you resting in God's sovereignty or are you resisting God's sovereignty? 
Is God's sovereignty comforting to you or convicting to you? Do you welcome it and rest in it or do you push back because you want to be in control? You want to be God. Oh, I pray that you would surrender. How have you been responding to God's sovereignty? And then when it comes to our responsibility, what is your next step in embracing your responsibility? Maybe it's salvation. Trust in the Lord today. Maybe today would be the day that you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to take that first step of obedience and follow the Lord in baptism. God willing, the last Sunday of January, we will baptize anyone who has come to faith in Christ and they're ready to tell the world, I belong to Jesus. To take that step of obedience. Let us help you take that step today. Reach out to us if you're online. It's gonna come on the screen, mygracechurch.com forward slash contact, and you will find a way that you can connect with us so that we can encourage you, pray with you, help you get started right, help you take that next step for you to grow in grace. Can we stand together? Father, thank you for a new year. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your spirit and for your word. Thank you for the great privilege that is mine to stand before your people and preach the gospel, Lord. I pray that this year would be an effective year that we would accomplish much for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray as the Apostle Paul prayed, Lord, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.